All right, we are going to be updating Parallax, who is a mage in first edition, into being a mage in second edition. All right, here we go. Let's do this. In chapter three of the Mage Second Edition book, you can get this one on Drive Through RPG from the creators of the game. Uh, we first would talk about character concept. Now, Parallax already has a character concept. What was that? Uh, so Parallax was a university professor that was part of, who's awoken to be part of a, a um, Arcanthus mage, which basically is in part of a time and space magic. Um, so for this campaign, well, so Parallax was actually revived, not really revived, but a character brought back from a second campaign. Long story short, uh, did a bunch of stuff, <laughs> killed his mentor, got ousted from a his magical community, um, found his way back to the sort of, I guess you can call muggles in this universe, and uh, was then re-recruited from an old friend, uh, Mona, to help with a current... Um, issue in Boston where time seems to be out of whack and this is where our characters were brought to uh, do the current steps uh, and I guess in mind what I envisioned Parallax to be is sort of like um, an Indiana Jones kind of guy uh, or sort of like when he was like the professor with the glasses you know sort of a, a classy individual uh, who happened to you know dwell in time magic and space magic too but swashbuckling uh archaeologist but you were more of a swashbuckling uh professor maybe like a swashbuckling or a daring academic yeah uh, yeah instead of you know dwelling into you know archaeology but more so dwelling into the occult kind of magic or occult uh ideologies that sort of information, academics, yeah. Something along those lines. Excellent. So now that we have your character concept, we're going to give you something new that you didn't have in the previous edition, which would be aspirations. These are short-term goals, but it actually says pick two short-term aspirations and one long-term aspiration. I'm flexible. Wow. Uh, hmm. So I guess the long-term aspiration is to become a master time mage. So my character is, I guess, an adept at it right now, but he's, I wouldn't call him a master. He doesn't have the, the five points in it. He does have four. So I guess that's the long-term. Uh, mm. As for the tour short-term, uh, that's that's. Hmm. In our last session, I would have said the short term would definitely have been getting to that, um, getting that book. But after that encounter, 
and seeing what my other self, what happened to him when he acquired it. I think that would definitely would have deterred me from going for that. But let's see, uh, short term. Oh, I guess maybe short term is uh, uh, getting myself back into the uh, the silver ladder it's an excellent organization. So let's, let's write that down. So short term. Let's write one more. That's right. You were kind of banished and excommunicated. That's interesting because the Mysterium offered you a place, but you are silver ladder where you have the aspiration of a silver ladder at heart. Hmm. And uh, let's see, we've got one more short term. Let's go through my notes and see what the hell happened. Uh, you got a suggestion. What's that? For a short term aspiration, you could have find a cabal. Being a wizard is dangerous, and you know this. You are a megalomaniac, but you can see the value in having others around to protect your back. I do like this. Yeah, all right. Let's get a getting a cabal. This will be my other short term. Excellent. Uh, and then, last, choose a virtue and a vice. Not sticking with the seven deadly sins and the seven saintly virtues. It's anything that you think is a positive trait for Parallax. Uh, so a vice would definitely be greed, for sure, with this character. It's very narcissistic in that sense. Very knowledge thirsty, uh, power seeking. As for virtue, yeah, you're really going to get a lot of experience if you lean into that heavily. But <laughs> just die. It's a dangerous world. Let's see, a good virtue. It doesn't have to be with them, of the the seven seven uh, virtues or deadly sins kind of thing. No, the best thing about Paralyzed. When is he being the best human being? I guess you could argue fortitude. Sort of like when he sets his mind to something, you'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's write that down. Right. Uh, and when you essentially when you are put in a situation where it would endanger you to go forward but you're like yeah I'm going to do it anyway you can regain points of willpower I think it's all of them still in this edition uh, when you fulfill your virtue and you can regain one when you fulfill your vice in a dangerous way alright I like it so for attributes, I thought you might just bring over your attributes from your last character. Sure. Um, yeah, I like the way they are right now. I think it's worked out for me. Excellent. And uh, would you like to do the same for skills? Uh, or would you like to put more? You might have put experience points into your skills. I'm not sure. No, I think they're good. I think my skills are, yeah, they're all right. I like them. 
Do you remember what uh, some of your skill specialties were? Yeah, so uh, I have three specialties. Uh, I have one in folklore and academics, uh, physics and science, and uh, flirting and persuasion. Nice. So now we would add your mage template, but we actually already know that you've awakened as an acanthus mage. We would then choose your character's order, which is an interesting situation. It's going to determine the skills that you use to make your rotes. I'm thinking that most of your rotes were actually taught to you uh, by Potestas, who is your mentor who you killed, or by um, the other mentor who adopted you, Inasi. And we'll determine where your rote skills come from. I think you have scrying as a rote and... Yeah, scrying, right now I have scrying, perfect timing, and portal as my rotes. Spells have changed uh, a bit. We'll definitely have you get spells that are very similar to those when we do your rotes. Alright. So, the path in this game determines your arcanum, but we've already done your arcanum. I think that we are going to go right into describing your character's nimbus, or what does it look like or feel like when Parallax casts serious magic? Maybe oh, yeah. I think we've already discussed this. Yeah, I think my nimbus was a bear. Um, yeah. So a bear appears. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it like around parallax or uh yeah i guess you could say it's near him um i wouldn't say like on his fourth like his uh like standing on his like hind legs up tall kind of like menacing nice in a near way yeah so uh in this game the second edition the Nimbus actually adds points to certain abilities or takes points away from certain abilities. So, for instance, in this case, you could have everybody lose a point of resolve when your bear is there. Or you could have everybody gain a point of composure. Or you could have yourself gain a point of presence or a point of strength even with a bear. I love it. All right. Cool. Uh, what what does the bear do for you when he's there? How does the bear make you feel? I would say empowered, um, strong in general, just confident. Um, and, yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So the bear makes you feel confident and you gain a point of presence when your nimbus is active. All right. Called your nimbus tilt. The next thing that we're going to talk about is something that I know you've been wanting, and it's your dedicated magical tool. Hell yeah. But um, we're going to wait. We're going to wait on that, actually, because I want to do it in uh, maybe a little short scene. All right. Cool. I like it. Arcana down. If you could just remind people who haven't been 
seeing how cool your character is. All right. Um, so my Arcana is uh, part of the Arcanthus tree. Uh, so I have uh, time, I have four points. Uh, space, I have three. And fate, I have one point. Mm, it's typically fate and time, which are the Arcanthus ones. Oh, is it really? Oh, well, uh, I feel like space time would be more, you know, but eh, it's all right. Well, space belongs to the Mastigos, who have realized that there is no distance. There is just the distance created by our minds. So in a way, space is an illusion, but they also find that mind is an illusion, just a construct of different spaces. Whereas you, when you awakened, uh, which was on the campus of which university in Boston? Do you remember? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I wrote it down somewhere. I can't find it. Let's just say uh, Northeastern University. Okay. Uh, so at Northeastern, you were part of that lab study. Testis, the guy who you would later call, was there as was his inner members of the cabal, you would later learn. And they were trying to awaken people, and they had put you inside a room. You were a willing test subject, a uh, associate professor at the time for the university. With the room had these three mirrors. It was like an infinity mirror set up, and they just left you there. And you remember screaming and you remember finding a path through that broken glass. But as with many awakenings to a campus, you have forgotten a lot of that awakening. And now as you stand on top of a ziggurat, you sense that you are there and you are you're in a room with three mirrors that go on forever but you know everything that you know at the top of that ziggurat crazy times yeah um What would that parallax, this new parallax do? He was a different man before. He had a different name. Actually, I wonder what my original character's name was. I think I had that somewhere. Let's see. Uh, I know I have it written down somewhere. Oh, I found it. Yeah, Matt Durnham was his original name. Yeah, so uh, yeah, now he's a new person. Wow. Uh, I think... He'd be, after his awakening, he'd be bewildered, uh, certainly uh, taken aback by the change of his, you know, newfound understanding of what reality would be. I think he'd probably just, you know, be perplexed and just stunned, really, before even 
I don't even know if he would do anything really. Probably just just sit there. Probably <laughs> that's probably what I would do. <laughs> but you you sit there, and it's really peaceful compared to where you just were. There's a lot of stuff that was happening. There's no ominous red sky. There's no people trying to kill you or eat your flesh, you know. It's just these three mirrors. Mm -hmm. What does Parallax think as he sits there? What do you think? Well, as he's sitting there, I mean, he just, he saw himself from another timeline. Mm -hmm. did. And I think that in itself would give him a newfound respect for the, I guess, the multiverse and what is uh, his understanding of what reality really is and how, and actually, uh, his other self brought in a the notion of multiple realities, and that in itself would be a. I certainly, I guess, yeah, it would certainly have a profound effect. So I guess I would probably think of, thinking about that of all my possible realities, all their possible timelines, and every action that I've done had a you know a reaction, stuff along that sort of train of thought. So yeah, I think I would probably be immersed in that sort of line of thinking. So you're not even looking up at your reflections. You're just looking down at the ground and you are thinking about all of these different paths. It's like a kaleidoscope inside your mind and you can almost see them. See each of these different versions of yourself in the past. And as you're looking at it, you can see that there is this line of different versions of yourself that you're looking at that stem back to a single moment. You stare at all these different versions of yourself and the point which they are at, you feel that it's the point where you awakened. But strikingly, there's more of you beneath that point. It's like many selves converged in that single instance, but beyond it, there's another beautiful snowflake. And all of the selves which are coming off of that point of awakening aren't part of the snowflake. The snowflake ends, it has boundaries. But when you awakened, you didn't have any boundaries and you can just see this unrelenting flowing pattern in your mind's eye. Yeah, it's almost like a, you know, like a blizzard just falling in the background. And then all of a sudden there's just this one snowflake that stands out and that snowflake is me. And it's just, you know, one little speck of the big picture of the multiple realities that we live in. Yeah. And you feel something land on your nose. Wet, cold. It's not the other reality of I just sent it to that abyss, is it? <laughs> uh, you don't know, but you 
are drawn back into your physical body because it's like you really felt that sensation. And your mind recognizes it as not the images that play on the back of your eyelids, but rather something else. It's like something is here. You can feel it drip down your nose. All right, so I look. So when I feel that sensation, I like look into the mirror and see what it is. So I see. <laughs> like in any dream, when you look into the mirror, it's a trip. The mirrors here all look at each other, and there are so many different versions of yourself here. Many of them are screaming, and many of them have reason to scream. You tear yourself away from it and look at the one in front of you. It's the you from the other reality, his hands black, but then it shifts again. And then it's a different you. You're wearing longer flowing robes. And then another one where you have longer hair braided there's yet another, and it's shifting so fast that you can't, it's like they're all blurring together if you're not focusing on any particular one. As you look away from that one, or do you keep looking at it? I keep looking, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's just all these different versions of yourself. You're just flickering between them. All right. Yeah. Do I recognize myself in uh, perhaps I made like a certain serious decision in another, like in my past that maybe would have uh, stood out in my uh, certain version of myself, you know, uh, I don't know. Am I making any sense with that question? Like, yeah, uh, but it doesn't look like any of these people that you are looking at, directly in front of you because there's infinite reflections yeah. are a younger version of you. They all look awakened. They all look like they've used magic to various ends. They all look um, like they are these really true expressions. And what you realize is that when that snowflake burst, when you were awakened, it didn't stay small. All of the selves had to come to that one point. But then after that, they were so much more free than any one of the snowflakes. And you feel that you are looking at your future selves, unrestrained. These are different versions of what you could be. Yeah, I think that would be empowering. It's seeing okay. what I could be, yeah. You gain, embrace an that. Beat. you gain an arcane beat, which is like a experience now. It's a checkbox. And when you get five, you get a full experience. All right. The discount is that now the experience cost to get new abilities will be cheaper. I'm trying it out. It could like work. I liked the old experience system. It really made investing in things make sense. And this one is very similar. So I think that it'll be good. The things that you are seeing are 
strange to your mind's eye, but you've been around for a while and you know a lot about the occult. Do you have the dice roller pulled up? Yes, give me two seconds. I mean, you've got a sizable intelligence plus a cool pool in any case. I do, yeah. How big is that pool? Uh, intelligence occult would be six total. Okay. Um, so I'm going to take just maybe half of that pool and say that you do feel like you know something of what's going on. You know that this is part of another reality, another realm, that you are not in your physical body. You're not necessarily sure whether you are dreaming. It feels a little bit like a dream, but it's, it's more real, that sensation of the thing falling on your nose. It was so real. Um, yeah, I guess I'm going to pinch myself to see if I'm actually awake or not, see if that helps or not. You pinch yourself and you don't feel it. But you also notice that your skin is silver. This didn't happen the first time I awoke and did it? No. No. You hear screaming to your left. It's yourself. Uh, can I see a reflection of myself in the mirrors or is I just seeing it to like... You can yes. Reflections of that mirror where the scream is coming from, from the mirror in front of you. You can look to both the left and the right mirrors if you would like. But the one on the left has a screaming version of you. They look younger, much less weathered. And you feel that they are you. They're you as you awakened. But is there any version of those where I'm silver or partly silver? No, you just look like your normal self. Uh, also, you can't see yourself in the mirror because of that other one being changing. You haven't looked into either of the other two mirrors, though. I think it's about time I start looking, I guess. Yeah, I'll take a peek at the one on the right. Uh, the reflected kind of peek, or would you like to gaze into the mirror? I'll gaze into it. Okay, when you turn and you look at that mirror, reality starts to crack. You can see these long black cracks forming in the mirror itself. Beyond it, there is just a black void. Something is shifting in that darkness. It's like a dark smoke. There are still echoes of yourself here. They're lost in that fog. 
different versions of you, both future and past. You see yourself as a child. You see yourself as an old man. All right, what about the one on the left? Can I gaze on that one now? Or you is it the same thing? Try to look away from the mirror on the right. Roll me a resolve plus composure check. Uh, two successes. Two successes is not enough in this situation. Uh, you can either succeed at a cost or fail that role. Yeah, I'm just going to fail. Uh, I'm going to guess I'm going to keep looking at the, the mirror I'm looking at right now. Uh, second choice, would you prefer to fail or for a beat, essentially an experience point, would you like to dramatically fail? I think I'm just going to fail. Okay. Yeah. So you don't look away from that mirror and instead you just look at what's pulling you in and it's like it's uh, tendrils. It's like it's tentacles. They are, Un, you're unable to look away and it's like you forget that you have a body. It's like you are bodiless and you are floating there for a moment. Can I reach out, touch the mirror? I am I'm bodiless now, so I can't even like ascertain what my physical body's like, right? So you can't or, see your physical body, but you can see a physical body in front of you. A man made of silver. Yeah, can I like reach out and try to do like the you know the palm on the the mirror kind of thing, uh, with the person on the in the mirror. When you put your palm on the mirror, they move towards the mirror as well, and their silver hand, as it reaches the surface, becomes one with the mirror. But your hand, your hand, is pure darkness. It's those hands from the ziggurat. Those are your hands. Yeah, I think with that's a that's a thought. I'll pull my hand away and be a little weird out from that. Yeah, you pull your hand away. The mirror shatters. Not only does the mirror shatter, but all of the mirrors around you shatter, one at a time echoing into the darkness, which becomes an open starry night. You're back in the mountains with your family as a child going on a hiking trip. It tastes comfortable, but then it's not where you are. You know that it's not where you are. And your hands, you look back at your hands, but they're not your hands at all. They're claws. Uh, wow, I don't think I would handle that very well. Uh, so you said I was with my, my, my family. I, I try to speak to them and see what the hell is going on. Did they even react to me talking or? Mm. 
to look for where they are and they've abandoned you. Everyone in your family's abandoned you. Your mother, your father, your siblings, they're all gone. They're right here with you. They must have driven off. See the tire tracks that lead deep into the woods. So, hmm. I'm going to probably fixate on my claws for hands and uh, probably start scratching away at uh, try to get rid of them. Okay. You claw at your own hands and you feel the pain, but you hate them. You hate the hands. You tear at them. It drains you and you, you grow tired injured and wounded, what do you do? I probably, if I was, you know, exhausted in that sort of state, then I'd probably find some sort of semblance of, you know, calmness or shelter, maybe uh, follow those tracks to hopefully find some sort of semblance of something that was real or familiar you walk down the tracks and you find yourself walking almost on all fours your hands are injured but you feel that they are longer than they should be touching the ground and you instinctively put them down one at a time do you stop as you're walking down the tire tracks? Do you stand back up on two legs? I'm going to try to stand. You do it. It's ungainly. You feel oh, you uh, you feel that you have uh, been able to stand, but it's still uncomfortable. It's tiring as well. First your hands, and now standing is growing hard. Are my hands slash claws overly hairy by chance, or are they just like just normal weird claws kind of hands? They're such weird claw kind of hands. What do they look like specifically now that you're staring at them? I was thinking they're going to be. They look like bear claws. They're like bear claws at the end. But before that, the hands are like human hands, but maybe with a knuckle too many and the skin pulled tight. Gross. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, if, if walking on all fours is more comfortable, I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna just keep trudging on. I gotta find something, someplace, shelter, someplace familiar something you go and as you are going down in this direction along the tire tracks feeling the sting of the abandonment you hear the sound of running water and soon you see that the tire tracks cross a tiny stream i'm at the top of the stream i probably need some sustenance of some kind uh, you drink from it? Yeah, I'll, I'll drink from it. 
there's a pure serenity as you drink from the stream. A moment of understanding where your true self, who Parallax is, emerges from this being that is having a hard time even understanding what it is. And as you lower your hands, you see that in front of you is a bear, a massive bear. Does it look menacing in any way or is it just sort of just also at the creek sort of drinking water? Do you have any dots on animal, Ken? I do. I'd be surprised if I did. Nope. I do not. It's a bear. <laughs> yeah. It's a really big bear. I mean... Uh, is it just, it's just water in the stream, right? There's like no fish or anything that I noticed. It's too small for fish. I'm going to, I'm going to do something a little ballsy. I think since my Nimbus is a bear, I then somewhat, yeah, I'm going to try to, uh, walk up and sort of like, not pet it, but sort of like out reach my guess my claw hand now and see if it like you know react in a positive way towards me uh it looks at the hand it goes it just turns away it starts walking down the stream i'm gonna follow the bear it turns back and it looks at you but then it turns away again, keeps walking. All right. I think that's my cue. We're going to keep walking, following it. The stream gets thicker, and then it diverges, splitting. The bear keeps walking, and you keep following the bear. Yeah, I would say so. I'm following the bear. The stream gets larger still, and it splits again. Is the bear still moving? Yeah, I keep following it. When you were walking on the road, you kept getting tired. But when you're walking here, you don't get tired at all. And you have a sensation. The sun is rising and setting, rising and setting, rising and setting over and over and over again. Well, I guess clearly time is relative here in a certain sense. It could be simply a dream or I'm diving into my consciousness during this whole ordeal. Do I remember the mirror incident at all or am I just like sort of in a, yeah, I do? Okay. Um, you know, it's hard to remember that. When you drank from the stream, you had this moment of clarity. But you've been walking for so long. I think I'm going to call for a um, maybe a resolve plus composure again to remember who Parallax is. Oh yeah, I got a critical success and I got uh, one, two, three, four, I got seven overall with the critical success. I've been using Vampire, the fifth edition dice rules with you, mm. which actually make you have a lot of cool things like that. 
<laughs> I'm switching it back to Mage, which has other cool things. All right, so what's, what are the rules with that? Uh, so the rules with that are pretty much the rules that we had last time. Successes are eights, nines, and tens. But tens, as you have just rolled a bunch of, roll again. Okay. Uh, so with those rules in mind, how many eights, nines, or tens do you already have? Uh, so I got a, just two successes overall, even with the reroll. Okay. Yeah. Well, two successes is enough for you to remember um, your, your name. And which name do you remember? I remember my mage name. Parallax. Yeah. That's pretty much my whole identity at this point. As you think about that name, you think about all of your other names and you wonder where they're coming from sometimes, but you find that you have many names. And as you are looking at them, you can cut and tear them away. And then you're back in the stream. The stream moves underneath you. The bear is at a cave. The stream is nearly a river. You walk alongside it, but you had forgotten that you were walking. The sun rises and sets and rises and sets again. So if it follows this river for what seems to be days, weeks even, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. And, okay. And the, is the bear still within, like, the cave with, like, high shot? Or is that, like, yeah. Do I even remember that I was following him? Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm going to follow to the cave. That's the only semblance of what I've been doing. Or sort of. Yeah, really. Yeah. In the cave, you see the bear. The bear walks into the darkness down towards the cave. But sitting here in the center of the cave, there's a cup. What does the cup look like? Oh, I thought of it as like a simple diner mug like you know one of those white cheap ones you could probably get a hundred of for 10 bucks you know um yeah one of those really cheap ones you can get at a diner they're relatively small i mean you know eight ounces maybe what's it made out of uh it's cheap ceramic cheap ceramic mug yeah that was the first thing that came to mind so stick it to it <laughs> and what are you uh what are you doing you know, I'm gonna grab that mug, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk to the river. I'm gonna fill it up, and I'm gonna drink some of that river water. And when you do, you of course remember who you are. You remember everything again. I remember everything. All right, uh, I think it's time to. Hmm. 
I'm actually yeah, and I'm very curious about what the like that bear, what that's like. I mean, I guess it could, in theory, be what my Nimbus was, but I I want to see what the bear is doing. I'm gonna actually head back in and see what the hell that's all about. The cup was just in the very most light part of the cave. Uh, what are you doing with the cup, by the way? I'm gonna hold on to it. Okay. Um, I mean, it's too big to fit in my pocket, but and I don't really want to like hold on to it per se. But I guess I'll uh, I'll take like my belt loop and I'll throw it through like the handle, so it's like sort of singing or sitting on my uh, my belt. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna find that there. You. Um... Start walking into the darkness. The walls should be closing in, but they're not. The ground isn't level, but it, somehow you're able to keep your footing, no matter where you step. Sometimes your feet go down and you're able to maintain perfect balance. It's as if you know this place somehow. You know this cave. It feels as though you've been here but you've never been here, have you? The cave goes down into what looks like a larger cavern, and you can start to see dim lighting. It's lighting from crystals, thousands of crystals glimmer through this massive cavern. How majestic yet strange. Being here, it doesn't feel natural. And the bear's here too. The bear is standing here with these crystals in this massive cavern. And the bear's waiting there. I feel like I have been here. I think this is where I was when I first awakened. And yeah, I think this is exactly where I was when I first awakened. It is. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna, I guess I'll walk up to the spot where the bear is and see if it, you know, if that was exactly where I was standing in the first time. As you walk towards the bear, you begin to hear a sound. It's the sound of ticking. The closer you get to the bear, the louder the ticking sounds. And when you reach the bear, it's almost overpowering. Yeah, I feel like I would, I mean, I would embrace that sensation. It's something, it's familiar, fitting from what I understand of what time is and Yeah, I would just fully relax and embrace that, that sound. You feel it. You embrace that sound. And you can feel the time that you know is an illusion because you've already awakened. And you can feel that you can be in other times, that those times do exist and they also don't exist. And when you touch them, you can, you're there. You're outside the time stream. 
right now, your body, that's not where you are. You can still see those snowflakes. You can see that self. It's strange and you know somehow that you won't be able to describe it when you get back. What are you doing here? Someone says. I'm trying to find my way back. This is my home. You don't belong here. This was the place I used to call home. I guess you can stay. I don't intend to stay long, but thank you. Tell us, did you see anything when you were down there this time? Just truth. I want to go back. I don't think there is a way back. There's a terrible screaming sound. Somewhere nearby, you see the edge of a massive gear illuminated. You see these things being twisted and crushed beneath it. There has to be a way back, the voices say, and there's many of them now. You made it back. You can show us how. Do you really want to go back though? Imagine for what, imagine what could be if you just go forward. We can't be not here, not anymore, not like this. Why not? This is torment and you understand. You see every horror of non-existence, your very self pulled away. And you thrust the notion back feeling it pulling you down into the darkness that is everywhere in the space that has no time. Hmm. I mean, that is a scary reality. Best focus on what is than what isn't. And you hear the ticking again. Do you focus on the ticking? I do. I'm going to try to see if I can't sync it so it's like rhythmic with my own heartbeat. It is. And you have a heartbeat. And you're in your body again. There's no bear anymore. Any claw hands? Awesome. <laughs> No crystals, just a cave with shattered glass. A cave that seems familiar somehow. It's different than the last one, not, not large. 
It's a cave on a mountain, a mountain that you recognize. You've been here before. You hid something here. Is that where I hit that gemstone? It is, those two matching gemstones. You remember the gemstone of death, the one that took your friend into the ocean off of Cape Cod. You remember the gemstone of fate, the one that started it all, embedded in the hilt of the sword that you once held. The sword that you once held here. And you are holding it, you realize. There's shattered glass on the ground all around. Shattered pieces of something. Let's see if I can't piece it together. Does it look, resemble anything? Even well broken? Maybe a circle. I'm gonna take a closer look at the sword. Is it truly what I, w I used to have, or is it? Oh, yes. This is that sword, a full English long sword. It's got many runes upon it. The hilt is that gleaming so gem. It's a amber color, like time suspended. And it is a blade of fate. You remember that when you held it, you held more sway over fate magic. All right, yeah, I'm going to see if I can't. Uh, I don't have the, you know, the short teeth anymore, but I'm going to... Actually, you know what? That makes me wonder. Do I still have that mug in my, my belt loop? You do. Yeah, I'm going to take the sword. I'm going to sort of do a similar thing, but sort of just, you know, wedge it between my belt and my pants. And to have it, you know, hold up by the, the handle, the hilt. And uh, I have, do I still have the, in my other hand, do I have the, the death stone? The death gemstone? Uh, the death gemstone is not here. Okay. Probably for the best. <laughs> but uh, you do sense that there is something here in the cave if you went deeper. Gotta follow the my instincts. I mean, I got the fate sword on me, so might as well follow what the fate is telling me to do. Holding the fate sword or the sword of fate, you can tell that fate is yours to make. That with every choice, forward or backwards, you commit to a different self. Which self lies in this cave? It sparkles, glimmers, a pure white opal. Each of the stones attunes to a different path. It's clear where this one belongs. Obermos, the realm of supernal heaven, the stone that was to be Potestus's grandest for he was an Obermost mage. This was the one that had enraptured his soul and he had become obsessed with it. To you, 
a mere bauble, a trinket, but dangerous. Hovers there, floating impossibly in the air, waiting. I'm going to walk up to it cautiously. I'm going to slowly reach out and grab it. I feel like it should be mine, right? It's only fitting. After all I've done and have all I've sacrificed. Indeed. And the white hot pain runs through your head. It runs through your mind. It runs through your very soul. You can feel the instant hubris of the act. Roll three dice. D10s? That's correct. I got a one, a five, and a nine. With the one success that you got on this roll, your wisdom doesn't degrade, and you realize <laughs> that this was a mistake. Um, holding that stone, you can feel the pure power of another supernal realm and how it threatens to destroy you and to destroy everything that you are. And you learn a deep truth as you hold it, that each realm is a danger to the others, overmost a danger to them all just as a canvas is, just as death. You see another world beyond this world, a sound where the ticking comes from. There's gears, they fill the sky. You're looking out over the city and the gears, the gears, it's just like Mona described. Everything's mechanical. Every man, their face is mechanical. The buses, machines. Where are you? There's so many people. You feel lost in a crowd, in a crowd of mechanical men. Like, yeah, this whole reality seems wrong. Can I, and can I let go of the gemstone? Is that even possible at this point? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll let go of it. There's a massive blackened spot on your hand, and the stone flip, fizzles and flits out of reality, and then it's back in the cave. You feel it waiting there for you. I'm going to pull out my fate sword. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to sort of hold it close to the other gemstone. Does it react in a certain way? Does it... Power bristles between the two. Energy, raw force crackles between them. I'm hoping, is there like a way I could, uh, I don't really have anything on me. Like, 
I want to grab it with like a piece of cloth and like try not to just, eh, or maybe I should just leave it there. I mean, I did, yeah, like, I know that it, it probably best to leave it there despite Yeah, I have a strong longing to grab it. Like it's something I want, and I mean, character is overly greedy and is seeking that power. He knows what it could be, but at the same time, after grabbing it, he knows that. No, you don't eat that. No. Oh God. No. <laughs> you don't eat that. What do you eat? What? Okay. Apparently, it's okay. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah. Just. Know, knows deep down that grabbing destroy or even hinder what his understanding of everything is and in the end is it really worth it there's certainly a certain it's a very strong clash of what his ideal or what is uh, I want to say morals but as you said sir, yeah looking at the stone, debating whether to take it or not, you hear that ticking sound again. Is it coming from the stone or is it coming from elsewhere? Coming from elsewhere. Coming from everywhere. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll leave the stone alone. It's what it's the very nature that killed uh, Pertussis. So I think best if I leave it unattended as much as I want it. But at the same time, I know I know what it does. As you turn away, there's the sound of glass breaking. And I turn back. There's glass on the floor. There was before. But there's something silver lying there in the glass. Suddenly, the small silver disc launches back up into the air. It hangs there for just a moment and then falls towards you and shatters. It looks like a pocket watch with a glass face. It's got an outer casing with a pentagram. It's also got what looks like a bear on it. Ooh. And after it rises into the sky, it falls back to the ground and shatters again. And then it rises up, falls down and shatters, rises up again. All right, before no falls again for the third time, I'm going to see if I can't grab it before it shatters. You catch it. There's a chain on it. You're not sure if the chain was there before. <clears throat> Says a voice behind you. Let me look over. Do I recognize the voice at all? Or no? Hey, y'all, who's who's there? An old man. He's got a beaten hat. 
He's got, it's tall and pointed. Looks like a fantasy wizard leaning on a heavy wooden. And there are objects on a table in front of them. A table made of stone, a cloth draped upon it, a pocket watch, a cup, and a sword. I walk up to him and I say, well, I'm sure there's plenty of good things you could tell me right now. His face is clouded in shadow, but you sense a strange rush of emotion, even though you can't make out his facial features. It's sadness. There's, There's deep sadness here. The person underneath the hat says, it is not fated to be so. Fair enough. I understand that would probably, you know, change, telling me would change the whole timeline to begin with, so. You've learned much in so few years. Well, let me ask you one thing. Uh, would you do it all again? No. But I don't think I could. Now you must choose. Fair enough. Any words of wisdom before I embark on this crazy ride? The mind sees the yin and yang, the dichotomy, but it is a false dichotomy in all things. There are always more choices than the ones laid before you. Thank you. You're welcome. Do I get a glance of his face at all, or is he still like hiding underneath the uh, the hood? The hood has strange shadows concealing most of their features, but you can tell them to be wizened old man. Their skin in alabaster, very white, and there's a, uh, a shimmer to their facial hair. They've got some sort of beard. It looks a little bit like your old mentor whose head you cut off, but you can't quite tell. Hmm. So tell me, what name do you go by these days? 
pass that time. But there is no answer. And you know that there will not be. Once again, you feel the push to choose. Not a spoken word, but just a feeling that now, now, and you hear the ticking again in those words, each tick pushing you with insistence towards making the decisions. Our question is a decision to do what? Um, you know, as you think of that question, the decision is to take one of these objects. It's going to be your magical implement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, geez. I'm gonna, I can pick up the sword briefly. I look at it and I am suddenly overwhelmed by a feeling of regret of knowing what this sword has done and what chaos it brought into my life. So I toss it aside. I, I, look, I look at the mug and I, I see it and I, it, it seems so unfamiliar to me. I don't, it, it, it brings no meaning. It brought some sort of light to this chaotic dream I'm having. And I put it down. And then I pick up the pocket watch. And it feels so familiar. It also has a sense of longing and Also, it, it seems to embody all my mistakes, but also my future successes. So I put it in my pocket. And that's when you wake up on the shore, covered in blood, the ocean waves watching methodically upon the banks. And the other player characters are there. All right. Uh, it's good to have a second awakening. And there are always more awakenings to have. For our last bit of character creation, if you aren't completely tired out yet, it's just to look at those rotes and pick a skill for them. Now, the skills that you would add to those pools are typically based on which order that you choose to go with. So when we Think about the silver ladder, which is who I think about for parallax most of the time. Right. Uh, the silver ladder skills are expression, persuasion, and subterfuge. Why don't you put a check in the boxes next to those skills or underline them to show that they are your rote skills. How rotes work in this edition is the rotes were taught to you by someone and you're going to write that down next to the rote. And then you're going to write down one of those skills. This is essentially the skill that you use to bring magic into the world. Whether it be through convincing others that magic really exists, singing a beautiful song, or lying 
which is really what subterfuge is in this game. Uh, how do you bring magic into the world in each case? And it can be different for each spell. Uh, with that, the spells that you want to take as roots, let's jump all the way to spells. With the different spells, there's, this edition has slightly different spells, but they're pretty much the same. Do you remember what roots you had before? I do. Uh, so I have perfect timing, portal, and scry as my roots. Okay, so let's look at space and time towards the end of the alphabet here. Scrying, you got it, perfect. Uh, basically, your dice pool will be Gnosis plus space plus your subterfuge, maybe, if you have the subterfuge skill. I actually don't have subterfuge at all as a skill, but uh, I do have expression and persuasion. Uh, when you scry on things, is do you think you are persuading the world to tell you it? Or do you think you are singing or making some sort of reading? I would say it persuades me to tell me what it's, what's going on. Sort of read, yeah. Absolutely, add persuasion. With Portal, I think that Let's see, web weaver, weaving sympathy, perfect sympathy, co-location, ban, and ward. Interesting, I don't see a portal spell here at second level, or third level for that matter. I think it's a third level spell in the first edition. Yeah, I think that it is. And we're going to make one up. You totally have it. It is a third level spell. Teleportation. Now, I think that what they really want you to do is they want you to recast. Basically, in this new edition of Mage, you can cast spells which are higher than your Arcana. Uh, but I'm going to actually say that you have a three-dot spell called Portal, and you can pick one of those to add to it. What was your last rope? Uh, perfect timing. Perfect timing. Was that a time spell? Yes, and it's, I think, a level three spell. So that a level four. Perfect timing. I don't think it is a level, or it wasn't in first edition. I think perfect timing is kind of a... Uh, what am I doing? Spirit time. So perfect timing is a time one spell. So really time one. Yeah. And wow. I think that this one, let's add your expression to it. So it would be time plus gnosis plus expression. And All I, right. Think that perfect timing is the only rote that was taught to you by Anasi, where the other two were taught to you by Potestus. That's enough new mechanics for one session. All right, sounds good. Uh, hopefully, you had fun. There is actually another kind of spell that you get, 
but uh, not a big deal. We're going to figure that one out through play. All right. Sounds good. I like it. That was awesome. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, Trevor. Anyhow, I'll see you next time. Yeah, till next time.